This week's episode is brought to you by Fashion. Welcome to Horror Movie Talk, an opinionated and accidentally funny horror movie review show. Go, 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 go. also review older horror movies, both good and horrible. Wow, that didn't sound good. Hello and welcome to Horror Movie Talk, your battle of experts. Each week, our Dr. Bryce Hansen, who holds a <laughs> PhD in spookology. How's it going, wacky guys and gals? And yours truly, Professor David Day, the foremost expert... In scare meow meows, new theatrical releases always get priority, and that's why today we have a great episode for you. We are going to be reviewing the la- or last night in Soho. It could be called the last night mm. in Soho, I suppose, but it's not the definitive last. It's almost like you could have written it down on the notes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I you know I did. I I, I wrote it down in in all kinds of places. Mm. Um. A cool thing you may not know about Horror Movie Talk is that we have the very best community of any podcast that you've ever listened to. Um, we also have a, uh, if you want to do us a big, big favor, apart from all the other big favors you've done us, I'm sure, uh, you can go ahead and take our listener survey, which is on our website, uh, horrormovietalk.com. From there, you'll find a, a link to our listener survey, and that would uh, that would help us out a lot uh, to dial the show in, get it get it doing what what you t- to do all the things that you like to hear, and uh, and with that, um, yeah. So we, yeah, we want to hear what you like and dislike about the podcast, so we can improve the podcast. If you go to the horrormovietalk.com, there's going to be a link underneath the player on the homepage, and then on the sidebar on any of the episode pages. Also, um, if you want to join us for the second Saturday watch parties, um, that you can you can make an account over at streamlounge.io, and uh, we typically have watch parties over there. Um, we also have a Twitch channel, a Twitch channel at twitch.tv/slash horror movie talk. I play Dead by Daylight over there with all the horror movie uh, icons. You can follow us on social media. Links to those in all our website. And all that baloney. We post new episodes every Wednesday. And if you'd like to call us at 682-253-4468, you can get a hold of our uh, voicemail line. Leave us a message. Tell us what you think. Uh, and, uh, and oh, by the way, uh, in terms of the survey, I took it. It's not long. It's uh, it's It takes, I don't know, five minutes. So, so not a big deal. Uh, as I said, we have a fabulous episode for you today. We're going to be reviewing Last Night in Soho, and we'll start out by giving a review and score for the movie. We score on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being bad, 10 being great, 5 being totes average, yo. 
and uh, after that we will uh, we'll give our score and get into spoilers, take a deeper dive into what we liked and hated about the film. Later in this episode, you're going to want to stick around after the review because we're going to be doing a few bits. We're going to be doing bad reviews for good horror movies. This one is going to be hereditary. So we're going to be reading bad reviews for hereditary. So, you know, it's uh, taste is subjective to you. If, uh, you know, there's a couple people on our Facebook group who absolutely hate Hereditary. So maybe maybe this is a, a poorly titled bit for 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 some. But I think it's I think Hereditary is a good movie. So we're going to be re- reading bad reviews for that. And we're also going to be doing horror movie whores. Get into, uh, you know, a couple of your voice messages. I mean, we don't have a lot to do, but we do have some. So we went and saw last night in Soho the other night and came away impressed but not enthralled. Uh, this is a movie that is well made and acted, but it just doesn't hold much for me to relate to. Uh, that being said, it was an undeniably good twisted thriller that uses tried and true formula to keep the audience thrown off the scent of the incredible twist at the end. Let's get into the trailer. brings you down then? I'm studying London College of Fashion. The room is on the top floor. It's perfect. I love it. If I could live any place in any time, I'd live here in London. In the 60s. My dreams. There was a girl. And you are? Sandy. This is the closest most people ever get to their dreams. They're not just dreams. Jack, I don't want to do this. You think you can just walk away? It really happened. What did you see? Do you believe in ghosts? Witnessed the murder last night, but you believe this was a vision from the past. The guy that killed her is still out there. I have to stop him. Where are you going? I know what you did. I've done a lot of things. You can have to be more specific, love. So, last night in Soho can be found in theaters right 
Now, actually, this is kind of interesting. We went and saw... This is the first time we've done this. We went and saw this in Antlers all in one night. Yeah, we did a double feature because there's two new releases this week. Right. And uh, and so um, we're going to be recording both of these reviews here today. And uh, if you're a patron, chances are there's uh, you're going to get access to the Antlers review um, well before it comes out uh, next week. Um, and of course you'd, you'd already have heard this one, this review way before this came out as well. Um, last night in Soho is about a girl in the present day named Ellie played by Thomason McKenzie. Ellie is a bunning fashion designer who moves to the big city of London where she is going to school to pursue her dreams. Coming from a small town and with a questionable heritage of mental health issues, Ellie is overwhelmed and taken advantage of in this new environment. She leaves the dorms after her roommate proves herself to be the biggest bitch I've ever seen on the silver screen. Uh, I, I didn't see the the lady from uh, Midnight Mass on the silver screen, so mm. her excluded. She's the biggest bitch. I don't know. I've seen, I've seen bigger, I feel like. Okay, well, you know, agree to disagree. Uh... Ellie Ellie's moves Ellie moves in with an elderly woman named Mrs. Ms. Collins who has a single room for rent in Soho. When going to sleep in this room, Ellie is transported via dream into the world of London in the 60s where she follows a gorgeous young woman named Sandy played by Anya Taylor-Joy who wants to make it big in show business and befriends a dashing manager, Jack played by Doctor Who. But what hides behind her idyllic dream of the 60s is a dark and dangerous side of London that's still present today. Will London take advantage of Ellie, or will she learn from the tragic and terrifying story of Sandy? Um, my review of Last Night in Soho is that it's a, a mystery thriller that is well-made and fun. I would say it is a horror movie. It definitely... Uh, makes strong thrusts into the horror um it's it's more horror thriller than just straight thriller yeah it's very it feels like a very british ghost story like there's there's a certain flavor of ghost stories that's british where it's tastes like cigarettes it's kind of um there's a big element of wistfulness and doesn't seem like there's a lot of danger necessarily. It's just memories, yeah, represented with yeah. ghosts. Um, so it's it's along the lines of like Bly Manor, haunting a Bly Manor. Tastes like regret and cigarettes, mm -hmm. kind of in pubs. Yeah, like the floor of a pub. Mm. Um, it's also dark and twisted with a fabulous soundtrack of solid 60s hits and a wonderful cast of competent actors. It presents themes of bullying, human trafficking, mental illness, and revenge, but it's wrapped in such a sugary, sweet, neon-light fun show that the scares really feel kind of more like suggestions to me. Um, if those themes sound like content that will trigger you, um, they probably will, uh, but it'll be a more scary movie for you than it was for me. Uh, I, on the other hand, like I said, have not had to deal with much in the way of being preyed upon by men. Thank God. Or severe mental illness, um, mental illness, just not severe. Um, so last night in Soho didn't hit home for me as, as much as I think it, it would for, um, some, 
I can definitely appreciate that this is a well-made and thoughtful approach to a number of serious issues, but I'm just not the target audience. Uh, I have nothing in common with you. I feel like this is geared toward women and suffers, sufferers of mental abuse. But it's, done, it's so well done that it will appeal to general audiences much more than hard horror fans. Uh, it was a little long, but the length felt warranted and even necessary. Uh, if you're looking for hardcore horror, this may not be your best bet. I would steer you toward Antlers for the crazier side of horror that's available in theaters right now. Uh, we reviewed a real stinker of a boring movie in episode 33 of Horror Movie Talk titled Greta. And this feels like that movie done well because of the themes, setting, and characters. Uh, my score for this is a 7 out of 10. It's pretty good. I th I was definitely entertained, and I didn't bother to check my watch. Um, it was fun. Yeah, it's a really... <clears throat> It's a really slick movie. Yes. Edgar Edgar Wright is very slick, and uh, you know he's he's had most of his, his success with comedies, but he's, um, you know, if you've seen Baby Driver, you can see the extent of meticulousness he can he can have in his uh, films. That being said, there it's hard to say, but it feels like there's something missing. Like there's there's not something that really connects the audience to the characters or the drama on screen other than just being kind of dazzled by the imagery um yeah it feels like a roller coaster instead of a haunted house it feels just like wee, whoa, wee, whoa, instead of being like quiet yeah and i mean disturbing. part of the part of the problem is that um sandy's character we're, we're only shown the very, very surface of here, like literally just appearances. We have no real clue into her inner life and, and what she really thinks of pretty much anything that's happening to her, um, other than, you know, what you see on her face. Um, we don't really know much of her or any of her backstory. And so a lot of it is like, just letting this story unfold. And it is interesting because it goes from being this dazzling and glamorous, uh, story into, into, into transforming into this really dark and gritty and gross place for this character. And that's where kind of the scares come from because it's so, there's so much insidiousness of just, taking beautiful young women and exploiting them. Yeah. And, uh, and a lot of that translates through, I mean, there's, there's, it is compelling to see that happen, but it would be more compelling if I had more empathy for Sandy. Like really all we're given is that she's ambitious and that ambition is taken advantage of. Um, Thomason, so, sorry, uh, Thomason. <laughs> What's her name in the movie? Ellie. Ellie, on the other hand, is we're given more of her backstory and like um, more of like what she's, um, what her hopes and dreams are versus Sandy, you know, and uh, and shown more of like what's going on in her life outside of when she dreams, yeah. you know. And so you connect more with Ellie, but but even then, it's, you know, 
the visuals are put above the emotion. I, I feel like in this movie, um, is Thomas in the name of her character yeah. from The Witch? Yes. It okay, is. I was like, he's getting that from somewhere. Well, the name of of Ellie, the the actress playing Ellie, is Thomason. Oh, oh, wow, that's that messes with me. Um, Thomason. Hold on. Thomason McKenzie plays Ellie, and then Anya Taylor-Joy plays Sandy. Right. Formerly Thomason from, <laughs> from The, the Witch. Witch. Right. I simply am not there. Yeah, I just am not there. But I, I really liked it. I mean, there's, there's a lot of good things going on in this movie, and the story is interesting. It takes a... For what it is, I think it takes a little more time than it needs to, especially yeah. when you're trying to, like make that slick dazzling movie it could you could probably speed up the pace a little bit more um but i really liked it i'd i'd give it did you already give your score yeah i gave it a seven yeah i'd, I'd agree i'd give it a seven out of ten it's definitely worth seeing and yeah it's, it's a, a great it would be a great date movie i would take my wife to this totally yes this is um this is a a date movie with stakes and uh and is you know i'm i will say uh I think that women will probably, on the whole, like this more than uh, than men, or at least be able to relate to it more. Maybe not like it more, but definitely uh, go, oh, yeah, that's a feeling I've felt. Because, you know, Bryce and David walking down the street, mm-hmm. people are repulsed. They They are, it's like a... It's like two positive ends of a magnet. Oh, I Th- thought you were going to go David and Bryce walking down the street. They're creeps. And so you know how that feels like when people no, are creeping on you. No, 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 no. So, no, if we walk down the street, people are just like, oh, no, and they run the other way. Right. So we got the opposite problem. Whereas if you were, you know, uh, Thomas and Mackenzie, well, there's some Bryce's and David's out there, you know, mm-hmm. walking around. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, it's not. Yeah, I, I would agree. It's not not as relatable as as a man because you're not usually not, exploited not in, in fear for of your you know of bigger, stronger men coming right. around. And I mean, you are, but it's just right. not the same. Right? I would think. Oh well, you know. <laughs> so you don't know my life story. So you just give it a seven as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, there it is. Hey guys, if you would like to help support the show and clothe yourself in awesome, awesome shirts with great designs that you've never seen before, you should head on over to nightchannels.com. Take yourself the Night Channels Challenge and just, just browse the site. All you gotta do is just browse the site for five minutes. And then, you know, you can go about your day, you can pick up the kids, you can cook yourself some dinner, but you know what? At the end of the day, when you're sitting down to Netflix and chill, you're going to head back to Night Channels and you're going to pick something up because their designs and their prints are so cool that something's going to stick with you. You're going to you're going to see that coil shirt and you're going to be like, OK, I'm just mm-hmm. I'm just pulling the trigger. And when you do decide to pull that trigger, you can enter code HMT at checkout. That gets you 13 percent off your entire order. So, you know, put five or six shirts in there. Skip having to pay the uh, the the shipping monster several times. And is that one from Night Channels right there? It is. What is that? A 1984 shirt? It is. It says report thought crime. That's a slick shirt. Baby. Yeah. Did you just get that? 
No, I've had it for a while. So, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, like you you mentioned the Night Channel's challenge, right? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's unavoidable. You'll go on there and you'll find something that you're like, I can't, I know I can't find that anywhere else. And it's cool enough and, and unpretentious to where you'll be like, well, that seems like a reasonable enough deal. Even more so with code HMT at checkout with 13% off. For our friends local to the Portland, Vancouver area, we have a special deal, um, a look into the mystical and a peek into the unknown self. Head to bloomingwand.com. That's B-L-O-O-M-I-N-G-W-A-N-D.com and schedule an appointment to see Emily today. She's a tarot reader and intuitive who blew me away with her honesty and calming demeanor. I went to the Blooming Wand for a soothing sound bath and some guided meditation and left feeling changed. Um, what I experienced was something I would liken to guided meditation and therapy all wrapped in a cozy quilt with some nice candles. Uh, I will be going back to Emily because she made me feel comfortable and gave me some real insight into issues that I'm having in my personal life. It was basically therapy, and I definitely believe in therapy. If you need some help working through something in your life, and who doesn't? And if you live in the Portland, Vancouver area, head to bloomingwand.com and enter code HMT at checkout to receive 20% off your first session. Uh, this is local to, to Portland, Vancouver. Um, and actually she's located in downtown Vancouver right now. And, uh, I've known Emily for a long time and she is just a wonderful, wonderful person. And, uh, you guys should go check her out. As I said, bloomingwand.com, enter code HMT at checkout when you schedule an appointment and you get 20 damn percent off your first session. Um, if you'd like to support the show more directly, you can head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash horror movie talk. You can also click the link in our website and, uh, you know, sign up for one of the tiers. We got all kinds of highly valuable perks and one of them allows you to skip these commercials completely. So if you head on over there, you can support our show directly and uh, get some cool perks to like our Afterpod, which is a whole other series of podcasts that we record, uh, released every week. Uh, you can also support us by heading over to HorrorMovieTalk.com slash shop and shopping around for shirts or stickers or coasters or all kinds of cool stuff that uh, usually is drawn by our hard-fucking artist, Dustin Goebel. He is a professional artist who, as I said, he fucks harder than most, I would say. I, I, I don't know. See, there's so many. The, the realm of fucking is... it's. It's dense, you mm. know. Dustin's up there, though. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, so uh, check out his Instagram at dgoebel00. That's at D-G-O-E-B-E-L-0-0 on Instagram. You can get a hold of us by calling our voicemail line at 682-253-4468. Thanks again for listening, and let's get into spoilers. <laughs> I guess you could say I just want to have a meaningful relationship with someone special. I guess you could say that. 
So, here we go. Last night in Soho, we're headed to London. Ellie is a young woman who is full of vim and vigor. She is also seemingly very talented already at uh, at creating dresses. She has dreams. She starts out in the movie wearing a dress made out of newspaper. It's beautiful. I thought that was such a cool mm-hmm. touch. Uh, and um, and yeah, so she's already has a lot of talent for for designing, and you feel right from the bat. You feel like you're in. Uh, Ellie's corner. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, yeah, oh wow, look at this bright, vivacious mm-hmm. young girl, and and she's got a backstory where her mom is dead. She's living with her grandma, and it's shown to us that she can see dead people. Yeah, and uh, she sees her her mom in the mirror every once in a while, and is a little reserved about that, and doesn't want people to know that that's an ongoing thing because she tells her. Grandma, it's been a long time since she's seen her mom, and it's been, you know, like, minutes. Yeah. Yeah, like Emily over at com, it is revealed very early that Ellie is a intuitive. She's can feel and sense people from the past. So, um, I, don't, I, didn't, I have no idea what that is, but, I mean, you hear about it a lot. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so she heads to London pretty immediately. She hops on the train, heads into London, and uh, heads to the dorms, and immediately gets paired with the biggest bitch of a roommate mm-hmm. I've... This is like my... This is really the, my ultimate nightmare. I was so, <laughs> so triggered by this. Like, it's such a horrible situation to be paired with just an awful person that you can't get away from, and you're like, ugh. Yeah, it's a certain type of person where their personality is overwhelming. They have to be the center of attention. And sometimes it it starts out fun. Like, I don't know if you know if you have friends that are like this at all, but no, where they're they have like a very vivacious and, um, you know, extrovert personality. Um, But then sometimes um there can be darkness underneath mostly around narcissism and being like jealous of other people that are commanding attention any any other way that they're not and that's kind of the case with this roommate because she sees that she's talented and you know that she's not as cool or as vain as her and her friends are and then Pretty quickly, it, it transfers from being very friendly to being adversarial, uh, adversarial, and and try to take her down. You're so judicious in your explanation. It's like, I mean, just because you're not like she's a fucking bitch, <laughs> you know? Like I, I, I have such a knee jerk reaction to this variety of person. Like she's not, she's not even a character in a movie to me. She's a real person, and I hate her. Um, I mean, it's where the big turning point for her is, you know. They're not very considerate of El- of uh, Ellie in, in the first place, but then there's a moment, this is a very movie moment, where she's, where Ellie is taking a shit, and... <laughs> they I walk- can't take a dump! <laughs> they walk, that group of friends with the, with the girl walks in, and she overhears them, um, Disner, Disner Fly Girls, um, <laughs> so... Like they, she's like basically saying she's a prude and that, you know, 
like what the fuck is up with her mother committing suicide that's pretty fucked up so obvious what a, i'd commit suicide if i were that one that was that dot mom that was a great moment when they were like talking about family because that was what um what is the character's name the the jerk girl the bitch roommate the bitch i don't know roommate. she's bitch roommate it oh that's mine um anyways they she tries to use it as like a bonding thing because they're both basically orphans they both don't have their mom and i think her story was she died of cancer and then ellie's story is her mom committed suicide and so i'm so upset this girl is definitely a one-upper don't be a one-upper um and (laughs) she's talking about herself and then it comes out that ellie's mom mom at 15 when did you lose yours seven oh yeah well it's got to be a little easier to lose your mom at that age right like, and then, fuck you. and then they're talking among the friends, and she, it's revealed that Ellie's mom committed suicide. And then you see her face. You see the bitch girl's face sour. She's and then she's like, like, "Oh yeah, I had a, I had an uncle that committed suicide. It's so brave. It's very hard. We're basically oh. the same. I, <laughs> uh, if 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 anything, I deserve more pity." more like this it's it's really it really digs into this victim culture bullshit where it's like oh you know what pays in spades victimhood guess what it's like okay this god i hate her oh so yeah it's it sets her up as like a real you know capital v villain um so so ellie has to get out of there right away she's like i'm like there's a party that happens like directly in Ellie's uh, yeah. dorm, and she can't you know she can't even sleep in her damn right. dorm without people like fucking on top of her and stuff. Yeah. And so and so she's like, Sabrina, don't just stare at it, eat it. And she heads out to Soho to get a little uh, room for rent from Mrs. Col- Ms. Collins, uh, nice old lady, and uh, and this so one thing about Ellie is she idealizes the 60s she listened I, I, I we skipped over something sure did you know the time frame that this movie was in it was it before was, you saw her no, beats headphones no i'm glad you bring that up because it was jarring at the start of the movie you get the impression that it's in the 60s and then she gets on this train and it's almost like she's taking a time machine because she has beats headphones on right and you're like oh this is a a you know, an 18, 17 year old girl who just likes the 60s. Right. And is in present day. No, that's a good point. Because, like, first of all, her entire room is covered with, like, you know, Sean Connery posters and, like, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah. And she has a record player and she only plays records from the 60s. And um, it's very, very of a time period and the fact that she's like make her own her own dresses do you know any no yeah no like teenage girls that even know how to sew at all Mm-mm. uh no i'm learning how I, i'm i'm doing a lot of sewing lately oh yeah yeah i've been uh mostly just mending stuff mm. but uh it's a it's a you know it's a dying art bryce mm-hmm. is it a just needle and thread or do you have a sewing machine we have a sewing machine, but I, I just use a needle and thread. Yeah. I, that's too daunting. I, that's and and furthermore, it's just uh, it's unnecessary for the stuff that I'm doing. It's just little, like it, putting on a button or like, um, or you know, mending a, a rip in in like nice shirts that yeah. I have or stuff like that. This is the first time that you've 
delved into the world of sewing a button on pants or something? Um, I think I've done it a few times, but uh, like now I'm 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 fixing stuff around the house. You know, mm. I'm like, oh, I find stuff, and no, I'm like committed to like, oh, I can I just fix that anyway. There's a hole in the drywall. You're like, let me get my needle and thread. I got this. Impressive. Very nice. Um, so, so I'm sorry. Go ahead. So yeah, and then and then she gets on the train. You see her Beats headphones. You're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, and it's uh, transferred back. But honestly, the majority of the film is in the 60s because it's <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good split. Yeah, it's definitely a good split. And so once she gets to uh, Miss Collins' room and she rents this room, it really transports her. She's like, this is this is perfect. Like this is a real slice of life. Straight out of the 60s in London, and and Miss Collins is kind of, she's an interesting old lady. She's, you know, kind of crotchety. She's an old person, but also she's, uh, she She don't want to hear anyone fucking upstairs. No, no boys upstairs. (laughs) Um, but she, you know, she can be, uh, tender and empathetic, um, at times as well. You know, she's, she's, she Mm -hmm. sees herself in young Ellie, uh, a little bit, but, this thing happens as soon as Ellie falls asleep in this new room that she gets. It transports her. It's almost just like a it's almost just a waking dream where she falls asleep and is instantly transported into this world with Sandy, this this beautiful uh this beautiful young woman played by oh, man. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy. I should have pulled some clips from Greece. Why? Cause they have lots of they, the main character is named Sandy. Oh, okay, Sandy. I've, <laughs> Sandy. I'll just I'll just have to do my John Travolta impression. I've never seen Grease. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's there you go. Surprising. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a new one. See, I can I always got one for you. I have always mm-hmm. there's always something I haven't seen. Yeah, I love it. How what was it on the previous? I don't know if it was the previous episode, but one of the recent episodes, you're like, I'm always surprised at people that haven't seen like Dune. really, really popular things. I'm like, yeah, you haven't ever no, seen an Indiana Jones movie until like last month. <laughs> well, I had, I had seen the Indiana Jones movies. I don't think I had watched the third one, and I had seen the previous two, like many times in bits and pieced through on like TBS or whatever, yeah. you know, on cable, but I had never sat down and watched them in their entirety. I definitely, you know, I was like, oh yeah, yeah. all the parts are. Yeah. It's come out that you've, you hadn't had that a part of your childhood. You also never saw Back to the Future, which was shocking to me. I, again, I had. Yeah. But not, I just never sat down and experienced okay. the whole thing. Well, from never. Front it, to back. it seemed like you had never seen them because that's that's what it was for me. It's like it's unavoidable. Like, yeah, Back to the Future was on like every day. It felt like in the eighties. Yeah, I'd sit down and and catch an hour or an hour and a half of of bits and pieces through. But like, you miss a lot when it's just on cable for a lot of different reasons, mm. right? Because yeah. there's stuff edited out. There's you you don't catch it at the start. You don't finish it at the end. Yeah, sometimes. you got to go beat up your brother constantly. Anywho, um, so she's taken back to and and the way this 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 arc. So let's let's go through the arc of uh, Sandy. So she gets to she, every night that she goes to sleep in this room she gets to see a little bit more about Sandy and it really starts with Sandy's ambitious she's gonna make it 
in showbiz. She wants to get on the stage and she's going to do anything to get there. But there's all these bad actors, right? There's there's a guy in the club who wants to, yeah, wants to touch her. Ah, I'm going to get you, you know? And, uh, and she's saved by seemingly saved by this manager, Dr. Who, mm-hmm. um, Matt Smith, Matt Smith. And one of uh, the weirdest looking people in the world. What? I don't know. There's something, you know what it is that I, I just have Blows like me. a, he's so normal looking. Really? Yeah. No, I, I have this thing where, I get really disturbed by people that have no eyebrows and have like ridges on their brow. Just very, he's got a very prominent like ridge, but no eyebrows. Okay. I, what? And I think it stems from when I was a kid, I never had eyebrows. These are shots, weird shots fired from Bryce. I don't know if Matt Smith is, not, is it Matt Smith? Uh, mm-hmm. Doesn't have eyebrows. I never noticed him not having eyebrows. They're very, if he does, they're very small. Now all I can think about is your eyebrows. Right. It's it's upsetting. I don't like this anymore. Take me off this ride. (laughs) (laughs) So Matt Smith swoops in and says- You don't think Matt Smith is weird looking at all? I don't know. He's he's notable in the the way that, you know, an actor is notable. It's, it's I mean, I don't know. He's, He's David Schwimmer level of- Interesting to look at, which oh. is low key okay. to me. I don't know. All right, teach their own. I tell you what, a- Anya Taylor Joy is much more um, uh, uh, different and interesting to look at in terms of a of a person. Those huge eyes yeah. that, are, that are set far apart, and um, just that. Yeah, there needs to be a movie where Anya Taylor Joy and Emma Stone are sisters. <laughs> That just seems like a no-brainer. It would be distracting. Yeah. <laughs> the whole movie would be like, ugh. Yeah. Ugh. The movie called Wide Eyes. <laughs> Wide Face. <laughs> Getting into dangerous territory. That's what we do. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's... it's Their eyes are, like, cartoonish. No argument Anya here. Taylor-Joy and Emma Stone, specifically, like, they are... Anime characters. Yeah, like, anime characterized. There's a point at where... Anya may characters. Anya may characters. <laughs> <laughs> Japanese Anya may. Um, there's a part where Anya Taylor-Joy is, like, puts her back and her head is upside down from a chair. Uh-huh. And it... Just the flash of it was very disturbing. <laughs> Because, like, four feet of distance between those eyes. <laughs> no, because, like, you've seen, uh, seen her face upside down, like, emphasized how weird the angle of her eyes were. Like, I, I, I don't want to focus on, I don't want to, you know, uh, objectify, objectify, yeah, well, Anya Taylor. I'm just saying specifically the placement of her eyes is very unique. She can't control that, Bryce. I know. Um, and, and you know what? How I'm not dare, saying, how I'm dare not, you punch down like this? I'm not saying it's, <laughs> I'm not saying it's bad. She's very beautiful, but it's when you're confronted with like, Oh, now you're objectifying when her you see it way. at a different angle and you're like, Whoa, that's, you know, it's like when you, when you see a horror movie and like they digitally alter someone's smile, she looks just, like. It's just off just enough to where it's disturbing. There's points at which her eyes are off just enough where you're like, ooh. Uh, like that thing what? in Splice. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's our go-to for any anyone with wide eyes. Right. And like, oh, yeah, that splice thing. Anyway, so her arc is kind of, she gets, quote-unquote, saved uh, by Matt's, by Doctor Who, mm-hmm. who becomes her manager and is going to help her break into show business. But very quickly, we realize, oh, wait, he's going to get her in, like, at the bottom of show business to kind of tag her along yeah, because then, he, he gets her an audition in front of some dude, and they're like, oh, she can sing. Okay, well, you'll start your show here instead of the fancy club, the light, slightly less fancy club. And then Ellie sees in the vision her first show, and it's just her as like a, a backup. backup dancer in lingerie. Yeah, and but but really, the real push is, well, let's get this girl into, let's get her whoring. Let's get her on the streets. And, uh, yeah, if you want to make it happen, if you really want a career in showbiz, you got to suck some dick. Yeah, they really got to. I mean, that's really how we got this podcast. Mm-hmm. I had to suck so many dicks. Dude, it was like, it was like a hundred goddamn dicks. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it was like Washington, Washington. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anywho, um, so so yeah, the 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 real the real arc of Sandy is quite tragic and sad because it's a bunch of and and what we learn pretty quickly is that oh all these people are working together, all these men are working together to corral her into basically being it's like soft core human trafficking basically it's like oh no we're we're controlling all that, like, because the guy who hit on her at first is shown to be in cahoots with her now manager. And so it was all just kind of a trap to make her feel a certain way and then become dependent on. Yeah, it's very much where it's like you're introduced to several characters where it's like, oh, these are the bad guys. They're objectifying all of them. Sandy. All of them are the bad guys. Well, okay. Well, the point I was trying to make was she goes into the club and there's a dude that's like basically objectifying her, calling a whore from straight off. And you're like, oh, he's a bad guy. And Mm. there's people like that that are bad. Right. And then Matt is uh, Matt Smith's character is charming and he's he wants to help um, Sandy and he defends her from creep man. Right. And uh, and then later it shows that, like, Jack is talking with this guy. Palling and he's around. He's also just a huge creep. Yeah. And it's like, oh, they're all bad. Yeah. AMAB. What? <laughs> all men are bastards. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I'm new to that one, but um, sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're all bastards, so... Mm-hmm. There you go. Um, so, yeah, it's all a trap. It kind of like and at this point in the movie, I was I kind of got like kind of the horror version. And tell me if it struck you at, at, as this with this way at all. This was kind of the horror or thriller version of a midnight in Paris a little bit. It kind of felt like, oh, we get transported to this other time, mm. this idealized, beautiful time with all these other characters. I've never seen it. Because I don't support rapist, David. You've never seen a Midnight in Paris? No, I haven't. I've wanted to watch it for for a while. I think I even have the DVD here somewhere. I mean, we reviewed a Roman Polanski film, and you you were adamant that we do that, that one. Mm-hmm. 
You said, oh, yeah, I think that's a good movie. Well, he was framed, though. Oh, my God. Yeah, speaking of a midnight in Paris, I think he's in Paris right now, isn't he? <laughs> I think he is, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's one of those things where I really like some... It's almost like there's this cabal of creepy old men out there. <laughs> I'm telling you, AMAB. Um, yeah, I mean, that's one of those things where it's like, I really like a lot of Woody Allen films. Or there's a couple that I really like, and then the other ones are like, yeah, they're yeah, good. They're good. And I I admire his output and creativity, um, even if it's not like my cup of tea. But then you watch that Alan versus Pharaoh documentary, mm. and you're like, this is, I honestly, I can usually compartmentalize and separate, you know, the artist from the art, but mm, that's pretty hard. Yeah, because Woody Allen especially inserts himself like as a uh, there's at least a surrogate Woody Allen character in every one of his movies. And it's hard not to think of, you know, Woody Allen, the rapist. Anyways, moving on. (laughs) Woody Allen's very uh, has, has some thoughts on women. If they have a good personality and they're not great looking, then who fucking cares? Well, let's just say hypothetically, okay, what if they have a good personality? <laughs> I know, I know. Listen, you don't understand. This 12-year-old has a great personality. <laughs> we connect on a very deep level. Yeah, it's it's disgusting. Um so n- now we kind of get transported into this rape and drug use seedy underbelly version of of 60s London, but also present-day London. Ellie is having to deal with, you know, kind of fighting battles uh with with the bitch girl on her own but she seems to be making it um you know uh she's she's doing well in her class she's she's not um she's you know she's she's in drawing inspiration from the 60s with this dress she's designing but it also seems to be really tying her mentally to this uh to this story of sandy and you know at first she's very interested in finding out what happens to Sandy and I mean she admires Sandy it's almost like single white female <laughs> time travel version because she's really like starting to model herself after Sandy she gets a haircut dyes her hair yeah buys a jacket exactly like her she's designing the dress that she first saw her in like it's like her muse yeah if Sandy was in present day like Ellie would definitely be murdering Sandy and taking her place okay that's an interesting it's an interesting take. That's maybe that's not a timely reference. Single white female. Anyone remember the movie Single White Female? No. Okay. No. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> uh, so now we now now that we realize, oh oh, Sandy is now a prostitute. Now we kind of get this this. This is when things get really good. <laughs> We get this uh, choir of men that are constantly like, what's your name? That's a beautiful name, darling. That's a, oh, what's your name? Mm-hmm. And she keeps giving them a new name. And and so Ellie is similarly haunted by all these creepy faceless men mm-hmm. who show up at, in a, kind of a dream version of yeah. them, show up in her apartment and, and ask her what her name is. And, and, and now that I think of it, those ghosts, the faceless man ghosts, that's very Doctor Who. Like, that feels like straight out of a Doctor Who episode. 
Yeah, it does. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, the uh the design, the the costume design on a lot of them. Very British. And uh and so it things are just basically ramping up into this weird like mental f- fervor for Ellie and it's, mm-hmm. and it's uh and she's she's constantly having these waking dreams where um that's causing her all kinds of trouble because yeah. and it keeps escalating like the dream as she goes back in the dreams like it gets just keeps getting worse and worse and she gets more exploited and Sandy is losing the light in her eyes and Ellie really is feeling for her and like wants to you know stop this from happening you know not that she can but she's like really really disturbed by it and then it it seems it seems as though uh Alex kills Sandy in one of these in one of these visions um um or not Alex Jack, Jack. um Jack kills Sandy uh, and that and Ellie gets to see that and is obviously horrified uh by it and uh but but then things start unraveling very quickly mm-hmm. like the twist starts starts unraveling and we start realizing oh there's this creepy old man who's been following ellie around this whole time and haven't haven't really been able to pinpoint exactly what role he's playing in this whole thing yeah but you're, it's, it's some really sort of smoking man thing yeah it's really set up to where you feel like the the purpose of this movie now is that ellie's going to solve this murder and get justice for sandy mm-hmm. and she knows that there's a this old man that are at her um pub that is creepy and is a old player and creep from back in the 60s and so she um guesses that it's Matt Smith's character Jack and that she's going to expose him as the murderer he is she goes to the police and tells him all about how she sees these visions in her dreams that this girl was murdered in the 60s and she doesn't know her last name or when specifically it happened and they're like "Uh uh-huh yeah okay very good dearie have you had any history of mental (laughs) illness in your hand let me type this up on my invisible typewriter (laughs) (laughs) nutcase Yeah, they're very dismissive of her, but if I've learned anything, it's that you uh you always believe the victim. Um Um and so it it kind of rockets towards the ending at, at this point to where she's like goes after this old man and then old man gets hit by the <laughs> fucking car. Yeah. And they're like, Alec or Jack. No, that's not Jack, that's Alex. Yeah. Seems like a pretty easy thing to find out from you know first she knows all about this guy that he's a creep and that he's like handsy and and uh and she served him several times but she doesn't know his first name well i mean that never came up between the 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 other bar uh staff that they know all the things and they're not like oh alex you talking about alex yeah. No, like, oh, the old man that looks vaguely like Matt Smith? Okay. Well, yeah, he's a real creep. Back that's, in the 60s. That's Doctor Who actually. He knew he knew a lot of women back then. And you could say he was kind of a player. He was a ladies man. Really more of a pimp. <laughs> um and uh and so uh, you know, so I just got to remind you of that that uh, very popular Rage Against the Machine song. Uh, sometimes those who Alex around the family, right, with a pocket full, full of Jack, 
<laughs> no, sometimes those who work forces are the same who burden crosses, Bryce. Oh. Yeah. How does that apply? Well, because he was a cop. The cop was a, also a pimp. A, well, he wasn't a pimp. He's he just a, said he was a player. He's a player. He right. said he was handsy. Uh-huh. Oh, so I just can't grope people anymore? Yeah. Uh, no, you're not allowed to do that. <laughs> for sure. Um, so. So anyways, it's revealed that it's not, it's not so Jack, that to- it's actually the cop or the undercover cop that she spoke to or that Sandy spoke to before. And she's like, well, oh no, it's not Jack. And then she goes and she really, at this point, you don't know where Jack could be or if there could ever be any justice. And then she's panicking and like basically going insane from these visions. And then the big old twisteroo. Yeah, the the twisterino happens, which is, um, oh hey, you know, uh, I need to Miss Collins, uh, my landlady. Hey, I need to, uh, I need to go. I gotta get out of here. This place is crazy. <laughs> I'm going insane, sweetie. You got that's fine. Let me just make you some tea. Drink it up. Drink your tea. And so she gets doped by Miss Collins, and Miss Collins reveals, oh no, I was. I was Sandy the whole yeah. time, and actually, I didn't get, obviously, I didn't get murdered. I did the m- murdering. Right. I've, I fucking killed all those motherfuckers. Every guy who wanted to take advantage of me, I said, no, no, no. And uh, and I stabbed him with a with a carving knife, including, including Jack. Uh, and so, uh, and now... I'm going to kill you yeah. because you know too much. Yeah. Like the, she said that the cops came and were asking her questions and yeah, I mean, it goes to the flashback where we had previously seen what we assumed was Sandy getting murdered because we saw blood all over her neck and stabbing motions where, where mm-hmm. Ellie saw her reflection in the knife as the stabbing was happening. Right. But. Uh, the stabbing motion was reversed. It well, was the other way. She was stabbing Jack instead. Well, that's the thing. You know, it feels like that would be in the field of Ellie's vision. Dreams are unreliable. Come on, like right. they're, it's all left in, to interpretation. Um. So, uh, so yeah, and and it's all it all comes to a very uh fervor, a big fervorous head, and uh, the the building is burning down, and Ellie's love interest, um you know gets hurt and there's there's plenty of stakes and but you know everything turns out okay in the end mm-hmm. and uh and so i have a question for you what what were the things that that worked for you about last night in soho i mean the visuals were great i i think the the ramp up of like the like how sandy's situation gradually got worse and more nefarious was sold pretty well. You know, it wasn't like directly from, I'm going to get you in showbiz. First, suck this guy's dick. Yeah. It was several steps in between. You could see how someone could be um, manipulated and roped into uh, being a sex worker in that situation. Yeah, I did like the cautionary tale aspect of this movie. It made me feel concerned for the safety of my daughters growing up mm-hmm. because i definitely you know men are can be very predatory mm-hmm. amab 
Uh-huh. Um, yeah, um, the other thing that worked, I think the twist was nice. Um, it's it's pretty artificial, like especially um, kind of a uh, cheap move to like show her scene the murder and say, oh, no, she didn't notice that it was the other person getting stabbed. But in terms of, like, the story and, and resolution, that's a more, it feels like a more satisfying and interesting ending than just, and now they found the guy. Yeah. And he confessed. Right. It's like, okay. So it sounds like some of the things that didn't work for you were maybe just kind of little kind of continuity things like the the stabbing taking place. No, the things that didn't work for me were mostly, um, I mean, Ellie's character for the most part is pretty passive. Like there's not, she's just there as a kind of a pat passive witness for most of the interesting yeah, parts of the movie. Yeah. And, um, the fact that Sandy's character even though we have empathy for her, like, being taken advantage of, we don't really know her as a person or a backstory. And so it's very surface level. Yeah. You know, it's very much of, like, an after-school cautionary tale than um, really connecting with this person and, and and worrying about them, you know. Um, so that... Those are the parts that kind of stood out as like they could have improved them. Yeah. Uh, for me, my final recommendation on this one is this movie kind of make, made me understand what women mean when they say that some movie is made for men. This this feels um, kind of like it's it's made for women. Uh, Last Night in Soho feels like a, a, a very well done movie uh, for women because of the themes that it chooses to focus on. Uh, it did make me, like I said, it did make me feel worried about the safety of my daughters. And for that, I give it huge credit. It does feel like a, a cautionary tale. Um, would you say that's, that's fair criticism? Mm-hmm. Okay. So with that, that's last night in Soho. I would definitely recommend you go see it for a date. It is a well done movie. It's a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, I, I'd, I'd recommend it. And with that, let's get into, Bad reviews for good movies. Okay, so bad reviews for good movies is a little bit where we just go to uh, we go to Google and we sort by one star, two stars, and we read uh, reviews about movies that we liked. Um, and this one is going to be about Hereditary, the uh, 2018 masterpiece uh, if you listen to our review of hereditary we released it boy oh, three years ago i suppose and uh and it was one of our it was the movie that got us to start this podcast actually that's not a, not a hyperbole at all that's that's the truth um so with that let's let's here here's my first one star review some of these are some of these have some points i wouldn't call them good but uh they are points um Oh, Jesus, that is... <laughs> I'm not going to read that one. Uh, Rory Pelzel says, One star. I don't like leaving bad reviews on films, but this deserves it. From start to finish, Hereditary prove, 
provides nothing but poor writing, fake, deep symbolism, and a lack of any real character development. The characters have all been done before. <laughs> Bryce, the characters have all been done before. No character development the whatsoever. Cr- the creepy child who's the key to the dark twist, the stoner teen who gets traumatized, the dead grandma with an evil scheme, the mother grappling with loss, the father with zero personality. People who praise this film seem to claim that there is some deep groundbreaking message hidden within the drawn out state stale dialogue but in the end we're left with nothing but the same it was a cult twist uh, that has been done to death before everything is drawn out for little payoff the actors do well with what they're given but with how poorly the, written the film is even tony collette can't save it the love and praise for this film astounds me i I there's no respect given to how it's pulled off and the incredible character development and yeah I mean the, I, to say what, there's no character development like the <laughs> the world within this family it feels like there's so much unspoken but so much drama but Bryce these are people that I recognize I recognize he smokes pot Bryce, the kid smokes pot, and then he gets traumatized. Mm. Like, couldn't he smoke tra- pot and then not get traumatized? What, what, what? It's a movie ab- literally about trauma. <laughs> uh, do you have one? These are all really long. Okay. This is from Brad Carter. Hereditary acts clever by leaving hints to later events scattered throughout this movie, but unless this is your first horror film i doubt anything that happens will be too surprising let alone scary i saw that decapitation way off in the distance i could just totally telegraph it um the tell the characters themselves are insufferable to the point of where seeing them be tormented is a welcome relief i have seen and read other reviews that people have written stating that this film stands as a sort of role model to future horrors this is true in the way that criminals are good role models to small children if i could give any advice to people that are thinking of watching this feature-length atrocity skip about the first hour and 20 to 30 minutes and watch it as a short movie Woo! Oh, wow. Hot takes. Uh, this is by Kibby, Kibby T, one star. This movie is worse than a waste of two hours. There's no mystery, only grueling tragedy guilt combined with characters that intermittently over and underreact. Because, you know, when you're struck with massive tragedy, you, you act... Reasonably. Reasonable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, How I think you should. The characters were unbelievably convenient to a plot that almost did not exist. What? (laughs) There was no development of characters, no redeemable glimmer of intellect, philosophy, or clever twist. Just simmering dysfunctionality with disembodied horror cliches for dessert. I was so frustrated that I got conned into this, quote, scary movie that I felt obliged to write my first negative review in hopes that perhaps one less person will fall prey to the hype. (laughs) Wow, some drama going on. This one's from Simon Belmont. I am a paranoid person, and this 
and I'm scared of everything. I wasn't scared of this film. It was cheesy, lame, and obnoxious. The entire story was held together by stupid decisions made by the characters. It's difficult to say this without saying spoilers, but ghosts don't float. They swim through the air, and it looks so stupid. The setting what? was calm. What? I don't know. Ghost? There's what? a couple people that mentioned ghosts swimming through the air, and I don't remember. There's no ghosts in this movie. There's real people. The setting was calm. The scary scenes were all in the daytime. The what? atmosphere was just pathetic. The story has a bunch of decent ideas, but didn't have any connection to each other at all. Smiling naked people attack everyone, and even the ghosts make no sense. Everyone, even the adults, are so immature, it makes me laugh. Please, just watch a different movie. Oof. Here's one by Megan H., one star. Gave me a panic attack. Wow. Actually, that sounds like a, yeah, sounds sounds like like a good thing what I'm going, what I'm going for here. Uh, gave me a panic attack because I lost a friend via car accident. Would have been nice to know that was included. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been nice to know. Could you tell me? Can can we get a synopsis at the start of each movie so like it's all can fucking you just ruined? First? Tell me every significant plot point of the movie before I commit to what? Very violent, and, and then give me a give me a, a trigger warning that in the synopsis there's going to be a mention of a car wreck. But very, don't say car wreck. Say something else so I'm not triggered. Very violent and very vivid scene. Don't recommend for those who have had similar tragedies. Save yourself a night of sleep and don't watch. Good actors. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this one is good. From Antonio's uh, A. Uh, great comedy movie. If you want to see a mix of all the horror film cliche, just watch this. The guy playing the sun wrote. Son role is maybe the best comedy actor ever seen. Oh, and yes, I'm talking about the film Hereditary. Dear God, man, how could you? Who pays for this damn... Dot, dot, dot. Huh. <laughs> Interesting, Antonio. Uh, this one's from Ali. Uh, one star. Absolute rubbish. Didn't uh, from didn't from any angle get the hype or the IMDb ratings this movie has garnered the most boring slow and senseless movies I've seen in a while everything's a drag with zero elements of horror the storyline is unnecessary sketch stretched and makes no sense the only reason you'll attempt finishing this is to know what's actually happening but nothing really adds up or makes any sense it's miles away from the conjuring or annabelle series honestly i'd rather be watching a chucky movie than this see this is so weird because normally for these one-star reviews for good movies you see dumb people that don't get it like these are it feels like these are reasonable normal people just with real bad takes yeah, you want a bad one? Here here you go. Ellen H. says, one star, Tony Collette is an outstanding actress. She owns her generally eccentric roles. Unfortunately, I can't bear to continue watching her torture and and the bizarre personality disorders of her family. There are sparks of interest, but the plot is too slow, moving, and grotesque. So I've had enough at about one-third through this movie. It sounds like it's just a just unbearable for a, a lot of these feel like they're just reactions to good reviews yeah it feels like people had high expectations watch this a lot of people mentioned like i can't believe all this got such good reviews i didn't like it 
Yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a far cry from the reviews of Jaws and Aliens, which are like movie scary, bad, don't go. Like those <laughs> sharks can't get that big. <laughs> you know, it'd be scarier a shark that crawled around on the land, <laughs> a land shark. Yeah, it's. I don't know. This almost this is like the cross section of like horror fans that are not liking the attention from general audiences that a really good horror movie gets. They're like, no, I'm the expert at horror. Like, I know it's actually scary. You think that's what it is? Some of it. And then the other part of it is like, just, you know, the inverse of the A24 crowd to where they're like, no, I'm, I choose to be pretentious from my hot takes on these movies that other pretentious people like. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't. Feel, I'm disappointed that there's not more dumb people. That's the fun part. Of yeah, things. yeah. It does. It does feel like there's a severe lack of dumb people in these reviews. Um, mm, I bet if we scroll down, we can get some here. Let's see. Here's one that's in all caps. That's got. <laughs> okay, that's a good sign. Shivali says, "I wonder how this worst movie got so much ratings." Here we go. Here we go. Hey, Shivali. Hey, Okay, let let me start over. (laughs) I wonder how this worst movie got so much ratings. Needed to cross-check all other real blog reviews before believing IMDb or other ratings. Worst movie I have ever seen in my life. If you want to know how to make a worst flop movies that irritating to audience, and also if you want to, if you want make audience go psych, this movie is the best example. <laughs> Similar movie with top rating was Indian Movie Pink. Oh, maybe hmm. there's a possibility English is not Shivali's right. first language. Let's see here. We're gonna keep scroll, keep scrolling down here. Uh, down, down, down. Dumb. Um, if I could have given it zero stars, I would have. This movie made absolutely no sense. I love a good thriller and a fan of Tolly C. Tony C, good acting career. Okay, thanks, Graham. All right. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, with the, do you li- have you been listening to these voicemails or something? Because it seems I've like- listened to a couple of them. Okay, this. Okay, all right. Then there are more than I thought. Um, well, in any case, let's get into our next bit: horror movie. <sighs> If that didn't explain everything for you, this is a little bit where we just go to our voicemail. If you'd like to get a hold of us, leave us a message. Message, tell us what you think. You can call us at 682-253-4468. Let's get right into it. This is Frank. Hey, uh, this is Frank. I'm calling from the Pussy's Creek in Utah. And I'm calling about that last podcast you guys did. On uh, Halloween Kills, and quite honestly, that was just one of the worst podcasts I've ever heard. (laughs) You know, I don't know what's happening with you guys over there, and what happened with the quality of this show. But goddamn, as a country boy myself, I'm just so disappointed 
so disappointed in the show and what's going on. Just the quality. I might just go behind my barn and have one of the horses fuck me in the ass. Anyway, go with God. This has been Frank. Call it from Pussyfoot, Utah. It's Frank from Pussyfoot, Utah doing his impression of a country bumpkin. Yeah, it's a kind of interesting uh, attempt at a Utah accent. I wonder if Frank thinks he's fooling us. Uh, yeah, it sounds more like a Louisiana accent. Yeah. Or I don't want to be kind of racist French. or anything, but maybe a little bit of like, you know, African-American Whoa! Accent. Whoa! To where there couldn't be anything further from Utah than having a black I, accent. I think I don't. I don't cosign any of what you just said. Um, <laughs> but uh, here's our next call. It looks like it's John. Hey, what's up, guys? It's, uh, John from Virginia. Uh, just finished listening to the Halloween Four episode in Afterpod, and uh, heard that little spat at the beginning of the Afterpod. Yeah, so I was I was cross with Bryce. Mm-hmm. I've been on I've been on high alert. I've been on edge, uh, and I I, I I cut into you on that afterpod. I was like, mm-hmm. Bugsy was just sitting there all like. Mm-hmm. I posted the uh, the afterpod, and the, the <laughs> description daddy. was, "Mommy and Daddy are fighting. <laughs> Why are Mommy and Daddy fighting? What was I mad at you about? Oh, I didn't like the way you said something to me, or you <sighs> didn't believe I'd... me." You thought that I was trying to um, revel in the yeah. failure of the bodily fluids exchange. Yeah, it'd be nice if you didn't so much. Here, get, let's continue. <laughs> didn't you, John? About the uh, bodily fluids exchange <laughs> and the lack of participation, I just want to let you guys know that I, I called and I pissed for you. I pissed for both of you, and it wasn't played. Is my urine not good enough for you? Some of these... Or worse, is my stream not large enough for you? (laughs) I can only work with what God gave me. No, seriously, uh, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I hope I left that on the right voicemail. (laughs) Uh, You'd think that I'd be able to follow simple directions, but I work for the government, man. We don't get paid to think. Uh, But anyway... Uh, if you wound up with some piss on your regular voicemail, what else do you expect from your loyal legion of boys? Anyway, love you guys. Talk to you later. Thanks for the piss, John. We appreciate it, and you're always a a great cool. I think we might have played John pissing on the voicemail. Yeah, I I seem to remember something like that as well. It was a girthy stream. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, here's uh, here's me getting probably more exposed by more people. Hey, this is Glittercore. I just got done listening to the Halloween 4 episode, and I have three bullet points. Firstly, the Billy Face Baby impression was absolutely atrocious, um, but good try. Secondly, I already missed the Goat Boy drop. Come on. And then thirdly, sorry we failed you on bodily fluids. Just want you to know I was trying to keep the surprise boners at a minimum with my Chinese finger trap, so I recorded me fingering it dry. Uh, as <laughs> When I first recorded it, I was raw-dogging it with bodily fluids that filled my glorious belly button, and I thought it was too provocative to leave on your professional voicemail. So 
lesson learned, I will um, try again, and hopefully it will be uh, more of a hit. Anyway, love you guys. Bye. Love you too, Glittercore. Um, it's rare that uh, that a, that a, a woman is able to disgust me with her vocabulary, but she is goddamn proficient at it. Raw dog and it dry. <laughs> Here's our next voicemail. Hey, Bryson, David, it's Robert the Farter. <gasps> it's Robert the Farter, and his voice, it sounds like the issues are finally clear. We've had, okay, if you're not familiar, Robert the Farter is one of my favorite new callers. He's had a hell of a time, though. Well, the last, I think the last call he had was, was decent, too, and he yeah. apologized for the bad audio. Yeah, he said his brother throws his phone on the ground. Oh, uh, I'm sorry when I sent the, the, the question, like, uh, why don't you like The Shining? I didn't mean to direct it towards both of you. Yeah. I meant it to be directed to Bryce because, uh, in The Shining episode, he said that, uh, he says that he doesn't like it that much. But, um, yeah. So, see ya. Robert the Farter not farting. Um, hmm. thanks for your call. But here, here it is. Maybe he's gonna- uh, well, I just think me. <laughs> Maybe he's going to pull it out here. Maybe Robert the Farter is going to live up to his name and uh, give us a toot because because um, here he is on the another another voicemail. Hey, this is Robert the Farter. Sorry, I forgot to fart. I forgot to uh, say something. Um, <laughs> I do like The Shining, but I'm not that big of a fan of Stanley Kubrick. Uh, but, um, which I think. You said Bryce in one of the episodes. Um, there's this really annoying kid that I always have debates with, and he says that Stanley Kubrick is the best director. Is he me? I'm, and that Steven Spielberg is overrated and bad. And I'm like, okay, tell me one of his movies that you've seen that is bad. Like... He has some of the greatest films ever made. Like, they're fun, they're entertaining, they're good for the family. Like, mm-hmm. he's a good director. He says that he's the worst. I don't know. He's just an annoying kid. Uh, pro- it's probably why Cannibal Holocaust is his favorite horror movie. Mm. Anyways, uh, see you guys. Uh, bye. Well, I wonder what his response was to name a bad Steven Spielberg movie. Yeah, what would you're you're a huge I mean this I mean Robert the Farter sounds like a, a man after your heart. You you've always championed uh Spielberg as I being, know, I can really sympathize with a friend annoying friends that really think that Kubrick is a great director. He is. Like, I mean he's spectacular. Um Yeah, I'm a I'm a staunch defender of Spielberg as the the Probably for me, the undisputed greatest director in competition for all time, but oh, yeah, greatest absolutely. living director. Like, oh yeah. I mean, what for me? Like, what could I point to as his worst movies? Yeah. Like, I don't know, War Horse or like Ready Player One. But what was that movie about? The clock in the station. It was like. It was a fucking boring ass piece of shit movie. I'm pretty sure that was um, that was Scorsese. 
Oh, yeah, you're, you're, pro- you're probably right. That would make a lot more sense. Um, I mean, even the ones that people point to is like, oh, that was that was a bad movie, like Hook. It's like, oh my god, it's a fucking up. great movie. Yeah, shut up, idiot. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're we'll back you up on on that one. I I mean, I I love Kubrick. I don't know that it's necessarily a uh, a competition between Kubrick and Spielberg. I think they uh, they definitely fill completely different niches. I mean, yeah, if you were to compare Spielberg and Kubrick, which they actually collaborated on AI. And that that's an interesting movie because you can kind of see where Kubrick ends and Spielberg begins on uh-huh. that one because it's got these stunning visuals uh-huh. at some point, but then it like really shifts gears and like gets really emotional and you get really connected to the, the characters and you're like, okay, well, there's Spielberg, yeah, the one telling the story, and then Kubrick is like focusing on the visuals. Um, I don't think he actually took part in directing much of it. I think it was probably Spielberg just upholding a storyboards or something. But um, yeah, I mean, that's my main beef with, with Kubrick is that he's such a cold and like, there's not a lot of humanity yeah, in, that's, in his movies. That's the point. Yeah. To me, I, I, I really love that. I, that's, I, I, I really enjoy that, uh, that aspect. I mean, and they feel like I said, they, they, they feel completely different niches, right? You know, it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like, I mean, there's stories in his movies, but it's not the missing element is like there's you know, themes in his in his movies. There's right, not really stories. It's right, more like a theme. Stuff happens yeah. in the movies, but right. it's not it's not storytelling. Is my problem right? Know? And Spielberg is a consummate storyteller. Right. If you watch one of his movies. It's astounding how much he does with, like, the shots that he chooses and, like, how much is communicated visually by Spielberg before anyone talks. Like, if you watch Raiders of the Last Ark, there's so much communicated about Indiana Jones before he says a word just in that opening sequence that you you have almost everything you need to know about him before he opens his mouth. Robocop 2 still better start. Um <laughs> I can only Bryce's boner is so big I can't see anything mm. else in this room. Here's our next caller. Hey, it's Tiana from Nevada. Bugsy, I'm not gonna have Bryce and David do the little back and forth. If you want nudes from me, all you have to do is ask. Hmm? All right, bye. Whoa. He wants what? News? Nudes. Nudes. Oh. Whoa. I'm, I mean, we can be the go go between for that. Yeah, I'm, you, know. you can send them to us, and then we can pass them on. Yeah. Bugsy is on our Instagram um, DMs more than my wife text messages <laughs> me. <laughs> oh. So yeah, just send all nudes to info at horrormovietalk.com oh. or slide into our DMs. That's fine. Uh, We're joking. By yeah. The way. Well, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Joking. <laughs> David. 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 Those are all the instances of David being said in one of the Friday the Thirteenth movies. Mm. Okay. Last call. Hey guys, it's Ian. I was just calling. I had a few things I wanted to say. Mm. Um, the Void pretentious episode of The Void was great. Uh, everyone that's listening, if you don't get to listen to those pretentious episodes, you're missing out. And uh, you guys were talking about the most 
forgettable movies um, you reviewed. You guys have re- reviewed a lot of forgettable movies, <laughs> a lot. But that's okay because the episodes you do on them are fucking awesome. But for me, uh, it would be The Turning. Mm-hmm. I was so excited when that movie came out. By the time I, by the time it ended, I wish I would have turned around and walked out of the theater. It was a fucking piece of shit. Uh, one of the other things, last time I called, I was really, really trashed, and I asked Bryce, I asked you, Bryce, if you would let Nicole Kidman lick your ass. I mean, come on, who in their right mind wouldn't let Nicole Kidman lick their ass? I was honestly wanting to know if you would lick Nicole Kidman's ass or even oh, say Jennifer Aniston's. Okay. Not the other way around. I mean, I'd let Nicole Kidman lick my ass. I was wanting to know if you would lick theirs. Um, and the last thing. That makes uh, more sense. Bugsy, he was great on the Halloween part four episode. Uh, I thought he did great when he sung his song acapella. Mm-hmm. And HMT's the best. Fucking love you guys. Well, man, I should have done some beatboxing over Bugsy rapping. That's a lost opportunity now that I think of it. Yes. Yeah. So would would you eat Nicole Kidman's ass? The burning question. Nicole Kidman or Jennifer Aniston. Either, yeah, oh, oh, yeah, whatever. I mean... Mm. Oh. Get, hey, wait. A little, a little taste. Get in there. I mean... If it was very clean. No, she just took a fat shit and she wiped using single ply. Okay, then no, absolutely not. You wouldn't? No! Nicole Kidman's like... Bryce, I'll let you into the garden of my garden, my Eden. No. And you're like, if you eat, if you eat my booty. No, like these, these like Reddit posts or like these, these comments on videos were like, oh, I would let her fart into my mouth. It's like, no. That's my, that's my fetish. Please don't. Please don't fart in my mouth. I, I'm not into that. You smell that? It's no, Nicole but if Kidman it was farting into your mouth, if it was like right after a post shower and like douched out and she asked really nicely, then I mean, maybe. Yeah, you're playing this up a lot. I mean, if that but if that was the only thing, then no, like I'm like, what if I'd get nothing out of that? What if it was like the, that scene from Killing of a Sacred Deer where she she pretends to be dead on the bed? Yeah. Yeah, uh, with that spice. I'm it up getting in hard it? right now. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, "Okay, I'm dead now. You go ahead, have your way." And Price is like, "Oh, oh." <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. The other th- Ian Ian's the best, um, and he did mention uh, our pretentious review of the Void. I have to get the. Uh, I have to get uh, the the teaser trailer out there on our RSS feed for that one. Um, but yeah, we did review the void, the 2016 movie, the void, which is bonkers, absolutely incredible horror movie. Um, and, uh, we reviewed it, but it's available only on our Patreon feed. Uh, so you can check it out over there. If that's tickles your dickle. Um, Everybody, it's that time of the show. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. Um, if you'd like to help us out, support our sponsors. Uh, head over to bloomingwan.com. Head over to nightchannels.com. Use that code HMT. If you're in the Portland, uh, Vancouver area, head over to Blooming Wand. Get yourself 
a little bit of therapy, a little bit of tarot reading, a little bit of guided meditation. And if you need, you know, shirts uh, with cool horror movie themes, head over to Night Channels and, uh, and that'll help us out a lot. Other things that'll help us out a lot, tossing us a review on any old platform, uh, particularly Apple Podcasts. But, you know, there are ones you can find on Android as well. And then sharing it with a friend. If everybody shared it with a friend, we'd have double the amount of listeners and that would help us out by like a whole shitload so mm-hmm. do that um and as, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah um as always uh special thanks to everyone who listens to the show we appreciate you just ever so much and we hope you have a great week if you'd like to get a hold of us leave us a message 682-253-4468 have a wonderful week bye bye Looking for a podcast full of burps and gas, perverted cast, skinny and fat, look no further. Horror movie talk is accidentally funny, begs to donate money, fake sponsors for dummies, and so much more. New episodes every hump day, they'll pickle your dickle for foreplay. Patreon members have it your way, vote for a movie every month for the review. Chopper chopper, don't just stare at it, eat it like a taco, put your tongue through the phone, hoodie Picasso, look at them hot kids swearing not a pedo, got me too with Cosby eating jello, pudding pops done gave Bryce flatulence, train addict addict Dave doesn't give a shit, one through ten is it horrible or excellent, oil me up, daddy is dinner, rock, kiss, Bryce Hansen, look at them hot kids, Chris Henson, masturbate with a crucifix, exorcist, face huggers, chest bursters, alien, Linda Blair, Pete, no Sigourney Weaver, I know it's true cause it came from social media, Patrick Bateman can't understand you. Stab you to death for rotten apple reviews. Opinionated podcaster with a doctorate. Spook allergy, doctor of philosophy. Bad gastritis, knee colostomy. Turn Patreons into human centipedes. David Doobie Day, scare no, no expert. The global fucks hard, professional sex After pods, taglines, and porno flicks. American Psycho, them guys pretty sick. Chopper, chopper, don't just stare at it, eat it like a taco. Put your tongue through the phone, hoodie Picasso. Look at them hot kids, swear not a pedo. Got me too, with Cosby eating jello. Pudding pops done, gave Bryce flatulence. Train addict, addict Dave doesn't give a shit. One through ten, is it horrible or excellent? Oil me up, daddy is dinner rubs. Nothing good happens in the woods. Always get more than you bargain for. Got a pickle to dickle. Machines take old bitties. Vancouver, Portland, Oregon and organs. Corona, COVID, curse, Lorona. Green River Killer, because reasons. Hallway of poop monster kids screaming. Ain't your ordinary dingleberry itinerary. 30 days shudder and jump scares ain't fucking scary. Time for the spoilers with jokes and tropes. Use their white socks to catch their loads. To show them one titty pretty. Paganism, you should worship. They Teflon dicks. Pacific Northwest, let them see one breast. Shifty ass, stay spooky. Poor man's digress. digress.